Welcome to the JD Show. We, I would, I would, I'm so excited because our guest for today is someone I met. I, I connected with him about a year ago, but I met him the first time. Yeah, I met him at one of our events that we were speaking. I was speaking at, and he came, he actually drove all the way from Coventry to see me in London speak. And even the same day, I just knew that this guy is going to do very, very well for himself. And he has actually proved that by doing the work, by taking the action and getting to a point where he's got a multi-property portfolio, rent-to-rent -rent portfolio now, and making really, really good money for himself. And not just that, he's also a company franchisee and a company representative. And I'm always, always, and something that he doesn't know, but I always learn from him. So please help me welcome Muzzy. How are you, buddy? Wow, wow, that was amazing. That was amazing. I'm good, thank you, Jack. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, thank you. Thank you for being on the show with us here. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you came from, how did you start the journey? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, my name is Muzzy. Muzzy is short for a very long name. Uh, my name <laughs> full name is Muzzy Nyendro Funduna. Shortened it to Muzzy so it's easier for everyone else to pronounce. Nice, yes. um, I originally came from uh, Zimbabwe. I was born in Zimbabwe, came to England when I was 17 back in 2004. Um, when I got here, um, I, I was the age, uh, the college age, and I had to do my GCSEs the one year and then decided to be an engineer. Uh, decided wanted to do engineering, did college, went to, um, did my HNC manufacturing engineering, got my qualification in university at Cov University and um, decided to work for automotive industry within the engineering um, industry essentially. So I've been working for uh, automotive companies for a good 12 years now, um, different ones utilizing that, um, that qualification that I've had. And um, up until November 2018, um, that's all I focused on. And then November 2018, I stumbled across property. And then um, everything changed at that point. Um, everything changed. My mentality changed. I wanted to find something else that I can do that is uh, not just based on a nine-to-five. And then um, the networking elements, meeting quite a lot of people that had the same mentality, it just absolutely drove my passion into working towards that side of my business, which is um, eventually where I met yourself as well, um, following you on social media for a while and then uh, got blessed enough to have the opportunity to come and watch you uh, talk in one of, the, on one of the networking events, which is absolutely amazing. It's, it's crazy to think that it's more than a year now. It feels like it's so just a couple of ago. weeks ago. And the funny yeah. thing is you actually, you, you're about to speak at that event or you spoke at that event? I am actually about to, do you know, that's a strange thing. Um, on Thursday, actually, in a couple of days, yes. I'm going to be speaking at that same event Fantastic. that I came to watch you, which yes. is absolutely brilliant. It's strange, but very, very brilliant. That's amazing. So you came at the age of 17 as an immigrant, hmm. graduated, sort of stumbled into property in 2018, end of 2018. And now this is 2020, or only just a little, a year and about eight or nine months into the journey. You already have how many properties in your portfolio in Rent to Rent or Rent to SA? Yeah, Rent to SA, we've got eight properties now um, in the West Midlands. And um, as you mentioned, we started the property journey um, in, it was November 2018. But when I say started, that's when I started reading about it, um, yes. went for property training. And for a good, pretty much a year, it was a difficult, um, difficult uh, journey. We didn't have any deals. So the first deal was actually just around um, September last year. So from September to now, essentially, that's how we've built the portfolio up to eight. And we've got a few more in the pipeline right now. Fantastic. And do you have all your properties are rent to SAs or do you have rent to HMOs as well? We've got rent to HMOs. So it's six SAs mm -hmm. and two HMOs in our area. And um, at the minute, more of the focus is on service accommodation. But um, any good HMOs that come across, we will still actually consider it. 
Fantastic. So share with us, what are the kind of challenges you faced in the journey? What are the, what are the wins, the triumphs, the challenges? What's really happening? And how has been the emotional roller coaster ride for you? Oh, it's, it's interesting you touched on the emotional roller coaster because the emotion side of it is the hugest part of it. I mean, when you talk about acquiring properties, running properties, uh, when you say challenges, you mainly want to talk about the, the physical elements as in the difficulty of speaking to an agent or, or getting the wrong deal or stuff like that. But the biggest challenge was the emotional drain. Um, this is part of the, 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 the trainings that we get that is not really highlighted as much. No. You need to be emotionally strong. You need to be emotionally intelligent. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Um, it's it's one, one thing, understanding the numbers, understanding where to find the deals. It's another thing, expecting the challenges to come your way and being ready to handle them. Because um, as much as you understand things theoretically, you're going to get some stuff wrong. And when you get some stuff wrong, you need to be prepared to handle the, the consequences that come that way. So for me, um, I'm, I'm blessed enough to have my wife who we started the property journey together on. And with whoever you work with, no matter how close you are or how far apart you are, there's an element of difference, slight difference. And um, in terms of making decisions together, understanding that now we need to move quick or now we need to slow down, she's really analytical. She needs to look at things quite a lot before we decide to go which is a fantastic trait to have. On the other hand, I am, I think that's what I want to do. Let's go for it, let's just go for it. So to have the two mingle together is the best way, but then sometimes when the two are that different, it becomes really difficult. So at some point um, you, you, get to, you get to a point where a decision is made, which is not necessarily um, good for one person, but okay for the other. And then challenges come that way. Now, one of the biggest ones for us is with the trainings that we went to, and there's quite a lot of them uh, that we went to, and we thought, okay, this is the right one. We go for it. They sell, sell, sell. Things look amazing. You pay. And then once you go to the other end after paying, you're thinking, okay, that probably wasn't the best one. You can't get the money back. Yeah. So now you have to move to another one. And then you go to another one. It's like, nah, this one is the right one. This is definitely the one. Let's go for it pay for that one as well get to the end and you think no that wasn't the right one either no. and 30 grand down the line you're thinking well, what on earth did i just pay for and then financially that is one part but then that financial setback has an emotional drain to it because you're thinking okay i've spent all that money now what now what do we do now we're in a really difficult position now so there's two ways around that. It's either let go, just completely let go of everything and get back to normal and just hope that somehow you will regain the money back by, doing, by going back to work yep. or really strongly believe in what you're trying to do, understand that you've made mistakes, learn from it and really go for it to try to get that back. And fortunately enough, myself and my wife, that's what we decided to do. So we pushed for it. So Fantastic. the emotional challenge of the roller coaster of, of that whole journey is our biggest so far and i mean we're still yet to get more challenges that much i already know but that's where we are so far and that's that's what we've, we we've learned so far in terms of the challenges fantastic i mean you know this that i talk about the emotional roller coaster and emotional challenges a lot more because if you can if you know the right way to deal with your emotions Dealing with the day-to-day the -day stuff is pretty easy. It's the emotional hard challenge that, that is the, the toughest one to deal with. And I talk about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I talk about mindset. I talk about how to deal with it, how to think, you know, stats behind it. You know, people come into business and think they're going to build a business within six months, 12 months. It doesn't really happen, does it? It takes, at least statistically proven, it takes about two to three years to replace a salary. And, mm -hmm. I, I, and if you look at that salary, a lot of, there's another research behind it, which is if you are on a 50 grand salary, that's the skills you have. That means it's gonna take you three years to build a 50 grand salary. But if you are on a million pound salary, it's gonna take you three years to build a million pound business because it's your skills it's your that skill, actually yeah. play the part. So if you are running a business, if you're planning to start a business, or if you're already running a business and you're struggling to 
kind of get to that 100,000 or a half a million or a million pound mark, or for that matter, you know, the 10 million or 100 million, and you're just not getting there and you keep hitting plateaus, I believe it's the skills. People don't realize, most people don't, that it's your skill level. And, and when I say skill, I'm talking about the soft skills as well as the hard skills. Absolutely. Um, and that does play a major, major part. And you, know, and you touched very, you know, very well on that, that if you just learn how to uh, you know, kind of forge forward and not think about it, yeah. that, is, that is big. That, that, that is a major shift in mindset that will help anyone watching this mm-hmm. like, really do well. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing that. No now, problem. let me ask you this question. I don't know if you would be comfortable, but I want to take you out of your comfort zone. What sort of money have you spent so far on training? <laughs> um, I, I did actually hint on it uh, earlier on. Thirty well. grand. <laughs> yeah, it was just over thirty grand. All in over thirty all grand to actually wow. to, for for all the courses and and everything that we've had to do to get to this point. And um, it's it's thirty grand that I would say if you were to ask me this a year ago, I would have a sense of regret. I would have a sense of frustration. Yeah. But now, not necessarily because I'm starting to make money, but mostly because I had to go through that struggle to understand the importance of what I'm doing now. That's true. You, you, That's you, right. just, you just don't understand it. If someone were to hand it all in front of you and say, okay, here it is. It's all set up for you. Just go for it. You won't value it that much. Neither would you value it. Neither. It's sustainable sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. It's not sustainable either. And uh, I think... Um, I think that's how we're designed sometimes. We need to be dragged out of our comfort zone to really get to know our strengths, to get, really get to know who we are. And um, yeah, we were really dragged out of our comfort zone. We've never been in that much debt ever before. So, um, so it, it was a very scary point. It was a very scary point. And, and I, I mentioned the point of even though we got to that point, we just kept going. It's not credit to us, the fact that we just kept going. It's also keeping ourselves in a network of people that are yes. fully driven, people yeah. that will not let you just let go. You'll be embarrassed. I mean, when I, when I talk to you, I can't tell you that, Jack, I can't do this anymore. I know you're not going to let me do that. So I have, to, I have to think of so many different ways of, okay, this is the struggle. I'll try this, I'll try this, I'll try that. If that doesn't work, then I can come to Jack and say, Jack, I've just tried one, two, three, and four. It's not working. What do you think I can do? But I couldn't come to you and say, look, I've had enough. I'm not doing this anymore because you wouldn't let me. I and let having, having, having a network of people that will drive you on your bad days is something, is something that I would absolutely recommend anyone to do. Keep, your, keep the right people around you. In fact, I remember a call from you at the start of this year mm-hmm. when you called me. And I can't share that, but I do remember that you had asked me to kind of, you know, I'm going to hold on a few things because mm-hmm. I'm going through certain personal issue and I still at that point remember that I was nudging you in a very subtle way to carry on I remember that um, <laughs> yes I, I don't sometimes I don't like pushing people too much because then you put them off but I, I do still remember that and this wasn't too long ago this was only maybe six mm-hmm. or eight months ago six or seven months ago in fact this is uh, exactly why i'm saying this Jack, because I'm, I'm speaking from experience i remember the exact time you're talking about yeah. um it was getting tough it was getting yeah. really tough and yeah. and you you had we had spoken about some some stuff that we needed to do and the timeline that i'd looked at and thought i'm not going to reach this i'm not going to no. be able to do this no. So I thought, I'm going to tell Jack that this is not going to happen. No. And then, no. like you said, you kindly nudged me no. uh, in, in a nice way to let me know that, well, I'm not letting you do no. that. No, I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just cannot let people go. It's, you mm. can't give up on life. You can't give up on anything. You, you just have to carry on. Life doesn't stop for nothing. So Absolutely. that's just... Uh, but no... It, it, was a, it was a great experience. I still remember that because, you know, a lot of people think that they're learning from their teachers or mentors, but mm. I can assure you that teachers learn sometimes a lot more uh, than, 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 you know, protégés or, or students. Yeah. They, they're learning a lot more. So in, in most cases, and I, and I can tell you with a lot of humility and, and, that, and a lot of appreciation towards you and many other people that we are connected with, and you know them, that, mm. You know, I, I do learn a lot more than they do, actually. 
appreciate that. <laughs> Thank that. you. So, so okay. So let's dig a bit deeper into the rent to rent and rent to SA models. Yeah. A lot of people watching this would love to understand how to go about doing their first one, second one, tenth one, or whatever that, that may be. And in fact, just before this video, uh, this this we're shooting this. Just before this recording, I had a call from someone within our team saying, you know what, I'd just love to dig a bit deeper into this and how to get my first one out. I said, look, I can, I can help you with that. But I actually said to myself, I'm going to interview Muzzy. I'm going to get a bit more secrets, the secret sauce of this <laughs> rent to rent model. And I'm going to actually give you the video so you can watch it. So give us a few tips or tell us a bit more about how to go about finding these deals what are some things people can do quickly that they're going to go and find these deals? And in fact, yeah. in fact, let's just start with this. Explain what is rent to rent at the core or rent to HMO or rent to SA at the core very briefly. Yeah, sure. So rent to rent is a, um, it's a philosophy of generating cash flow from someone else's asset. So generating cash flow from someone else's house, you don't have to buy the house. You just need to control it. Um, I think it was, it was Nelson Rockefeller who said, uh, the secret to success is <laughs> control everything, don't own anything. Um, it's the same principle. So rent to rent is, is a tool that we use. The strategy is what you then do with the property afterwards. So you, you rent the property on from a landlord and then you then rent it on to someone else, depending on whatever strategy you use. That's where the term rent to rent then comes from. So um, rent to rent is the tool and then HMO is what you can then do to sort of like rent the property out instead of as a single family or as a single tenant, you rent it out per room. So you take on a property, uh, for example, a property that will go for a thousand pounds, it's a four bedroom, and then you rent each room for 500 pounds and then you make the difference in your profit. Uh, or you can put it up for serviced accommodation where you don't rent it out on a monthly tenancy you do it for a nightly rate and treat it as a hotel. So those are two main strategies that rent to renters actually use, but there's several other different ones. So my focus is on the service accommodation mostly, and we'll do HMOs as well at the same time. So in terms of acquiring rent to rent deals, I mean, if you, if you go to training companies, you'll probably get the same thing that you need to use online platforms to try to find the deals, get to understand the numbers, um, that's an important thing, especially for your first one, because your, your emotions, I've heard you Jax talk about this so many times. We, we make emotional decisions and then use the practical side of it to justify the emotional to justify the logic. Yes. And, and on your first deal, your emotions take over. The idea of having a property deal is just so overwhelming. And then you end up starting to forget that the more important thing is to make sure that that deal is going to make you money. I'm stuck up yet. Yeah, it just needs to stack up. And um, we, we, we tend to just get excited, like, I've got a deal. But is it a deal, really? Or are you just taking on a, a, a liability? So really, really remember that on your first deal, second, third, the numbers need to make sense as well. Yep. But also still be humble and make sure you treat whoever it is that you're working with with respect, because that's how you get the best deal. So online platforms are the obvious, one, obvious ones. Right move Zoopla on the market. Just look out for the rent element of it. Um, even before you make any offers or, or get involved in actually taking on the deals, I would recommend use those online platforms just so you can get familiar with the numbers. If someone were to come to you now in your area and say, I've got a three bedroom house, would you like to take it? You need to know at that point instinctively how much that property should be going for for rent. So the the best way to do that is to use these platforms use these online platforms and just have a look at it so you can get a good range of what that looks like um so understanding the numbers and what they should look like to know what a good deal is using that platform to try to identify the best deals in terms of location and the numbers that you're looking at and on top of that to know the state of the property so i would recommend you do as many viewings as possible yeah create good rapport with agents or even directly to the landlords because there's platforms that give you that take you straight to the landlord like Gumtree landlords will, will advertise their own property spare room sometimes landlords will advertise their own properties yes. so if you use those platforms you're most likely going to do a viewing with the landlord yes. so 
create good rapport with them, get used to speaking that language and get yourself used to doing that, um, that, that type of, of, of engagement. That is the best way to get your first one. But also on top of that, network. Network as much as you possibly can. I mean, in this period, we're in a difficult time where we can't get together like we used to in a big room and, and get to know big different Due to people. COVID, yes. But pretty much every day now, somewhere, someone is running a Zoom call. Yep. Someone is running a Zoom call somewhere. So you can actually network with people whilst yep. you're sat at home. Yes. And um, I would recommend you actually switch your camera on because people want to see who they're talking to. People want to engage and look at your eyes. That connection yes. is still available, even if it's digital. Yes. So network as much as possible. Get to know what other people are doing. There's WhatsApp groups everywhere now about property. Just speak to people and get yourself involved in that. But also, once you get comfortable with talking about property with other people, start utilizing social media. Go on social media, tell people what you're doing. Anytime you have an opportunity to talk about yourself, tell people what you do. Even if you are a police officer, that is your side hustle, but you actually invest in property. I'm an engineer, manufacturing engineer. I'm a property investor first. This is what I do. But on the side, I do engineering. Yep. So tell people what you, what you do so that um, the majority of deals, actually, there's more deals that are off market than on market. Mm-hmm. And the people that the reason they're off market is people don't necessarily, not many people know exactly what platforms to go to advertise their properties. Yes. So the really power, the powerful thing about telling everyone is you will start picking deals out that are off market. That's yes. where they come from yep. because you talk to people, you tell people what you do. Yep. So that, that is a, a really good point for anyone who's looking to start up. And it's going to be difficult, especially if it's, if it's a first time thing, it's going to be difficult to all of a sudden say, I'm an investor yep. or I know rent to rent or I know HMOs. It will be very difficult um, I know you went through the same thing, Jack, but starting out to start telling people that I do investments, I do property, you get even your close friends laughing at you, thinking, what on earth are you doing? Muzzy, you, all you do is play football. So what do you know about property? Yeah. You know? So um, it's going to be difficult, but I would recommend you definitely, definitely get involved in it and start doing it. That's how I would say it is the best way to find your, your first deal. Fantastic. So, I mean, I know a little bit about rent to rent, rent to SIs, but I want my, our audience to kind of understand the, 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 not just the basic, but a bit more advanced strategies from this video. So mm-hmm. let's say you approach a landlord through Gumtree or Spare Room or through any of the agents, the Rightmove or Zoopla, wherever you find the property from. Let's say you approach um, either the landlord or the agent. I've come across that because I'm a broker, uh, you know, my, my background is finance. So my understanding is that if you have a mortgage on the property um, and let's say you have a BTL mortgage on the property, lenders don't allow those properties to be used as serviced accommodation. Mm. How do you deal with that? So we've had this case um, a couple of times, actually. So as you said, lenders are a bit iffy about uh, service accommodation and they need consent from, from the owners of the property. So we have in our contract, as the rent-to-rent person, I'm in charge of the property in terms of the management itself. I haven't got the power to speak to the lender on the landlord's behalf. So we always try to say, okay, this is what we're going to be doing. Do you understand it? Yes, Yes. I understand it. To make sure that this is being run in the right, correct way, you need to inform your lender so that you make sure you have the right mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much we can do in terms of making sure the landlord gets that correct. So we put it in our, ma- in our management agreement mm-hmm. to say, as the manager, this is my responsibility. As the landlord, this is your responsibility. And we put that in there as well to say, to ensure that the mortgage is correct. And that the landlord is responsible for that change if he wants to do that. Correct. Correct. So we and put if- that caveat. And if they don't do it, then? If they don't do it, if there's any sort of like consequences that take place because of that going wrong, um, it it protects us. The management agreement will protect you. The management agreement will protect us. 
if we had the power to go to the lender ourselves, we will make sure it happens, but obviously we can't. So we have to put the responsibility on the landlord. So you are absolutely right. The mortgage has to be correct for service accommodation. And the only person who can get that change is the owner of the property. Okay. Sounds good. That's, this is a good news for those who are watching that to protect yourself and your company, you've got to have the right kind of management agreement in place. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm again, a strong believer of having good agreements in place. So if there's ever any confusion that you are protected as well as the third person or the other party is protected as well. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit more about how do you set these things up? You know, what does it take to set these things up? Okay. So um, in, in a nutshell, once you get the property, so once you get the good news that landlord says, yes, you can have my property, go for it. At that point, after celebrating that you've got a deal, that's where the hard work really starts. Yes. Yeah. So there's a financial input that you need to consider. In most cases, it's going to be the first month's rent. It's going to be um, the deposit, which is equivalent to a, a month and a half rent in many cases. And then you have to furnish the property. Now, furnish the property is the, is the first thing you physically do if there's no renovations required. Yes. Um, whenever there's any renovations required that will add value to the property, we try by all means to get the landlord involved yep. because you don't want to put too much cash into it considering you're just managing yep. the property. Yep. So um, what we do is we do help out uh, financially and we use that as leverage to bring the rent down a little bit yep. to say, okay, we can do the painting for you or, or we can just fix that issue for you. Um, would that be okay if we just bring the rent down a little bit so that we can balance out our balance income? Cash. Because yeah. in many cases, they don't have the money at that time to do that work. Yeah, I understand. So we, we just balance it out a little bit. But ideally, you don't want to do any renovations to reduce the upfront cost. So once you pay the first month's rent, the deposit, you start furnishing. So when we're talking service accommodation, that's where the furnishing needs to be top class because you really want to um, make the property look really nice. You want to attract as many people as possible. And the attraction comes from the state of the property and what it looks like. And also the level of um, uh, pictures that you actually post out there. Yep. So you want to make the property look really nice, decorated really well. Um, if you're not really a strong uh, interior decorating person, get someone involved who can do the work for you. It can be, sometimes it can feel like you, you're wasting too much money at the start, but trust me, it's really worth it. Yep. Because when people scroll through the online travel agents, yep. they're looking for those properties that will pop out. Yeah. So you, you, you want to stop them from scrolling. Yep. And it doesn't matter what the property actually looks like you buy the, the people buy it from the pictures from the pictures yes from the pictures exactly so once you once you stop them on that cover picture you yeah. want to keep them on that profile so firstly the pictures need to be really nice and post as many of them as possible yeah. Yeah. nowadays people love just scrolling scrolling yeah. once they start looking at pictures they want to just keep scrolling and the longer you keep them scrolling the more likely you're going to get them to you'll get a booking yes yeah. so i would recommend really nice pictures and many of them the online travel agents are designed now to just make sure that you have at least 10 pictures anyway. Yeah. You yeah. can't post one or two like you used to before mm -hmm. so people can scroll. But then we post up to 34, 50 pictures mm -hmm. and just keep you there until you actually book. Mm -hmm. So that's, the, that's one of the most important things. So you're looking at the cost for furnishing. You're looking at the cost for acquiring the property, which is the rent, the cost of acquiring the property in terms of the deposit, the cost of taking the pictures as well you might actually have to um, consider the bit of cost of switching the utilities if there's a need to, or actually yes. setting them up to start with. Because yep. remember, utilities are now your responsibility now yes. because you're taking this property away completely. You want it to be hands-free for the landlord yes. and you're just given the guaranteed rent. Yep. So that's the main cost you're looking at. Some of the other extra costs are like unusual. So we're just looking at just the basic stuff that you usually actually get. Um, so, the way we look at things is once you've done your calculation before you actually acquire the property, you do your calculation and look at how much you're looking to make a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your net profit. Uh, there's a way of looking at it for HMOs. There's a way of looking at it for service accommodation. And in terms of what budget we set out for how much you spend upfront, we look at the net profit and multiply it by six because we ideally 
want all the cash that we've put in to come back out in six months. Six months, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yep. essentially, if I'm looking to make a grand a month from that property, my total income or my total upfront cost is going to be six thousand pounds. Yeah. So that's my budget. So I'll think, okay, once I've paid the deposit, paid the first month's rent, this is how much I've got to spend for my uh, for my furniture. Now, don't get me wrong, it's the ideal, but sometimes we can go to eight months, sometimes we can go to 12 months. It just depends, but ideally you want it within the six months, just in case that deal doesn't quite work out well. Yep. Within six months, at least all your funds have come back out and then you can make a decision at that point. So usually that's what you're looking at for the upfront and that's the cost that it's going to take. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say so so what so let's say you're setting up your first one or your third one it doesn't really matter what is the average cost of setting up a rent to sa unit you're talking between 3000 and 8000 mm pounds -hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't get involved in anything that's going to cost me more than 8k um 8k for me actually is quite a lot as it is um ideally for a rent to rent you you looking you're looking at about 4000 pounds pounds yeah okay. um because once you get to the 8k something else must be really good about that property that you're looking to invest in in the future mm -hmm. but if it's just going to be a rent to rent for the next two three five years mm -hmm. um you can get another one just yep. find two for the 8k rather than actually pay 8k for one of course, but yeah. between three and eight i mean it's also okay. dependent on the area because what you can purchase for 8k um this is dependent on the rent obviously because the cost of the stuff might be the same across England, but the cost of the rent and the deposit up front is different in London than it is in Coventry. Of course, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say if someone is setting up their first unit or, you know, like I said, second unit. Yeah. What kind of room, what kind of rental can they charge per room? Let's say in serviced accommodation and rent to HMOs are pretty easy. You can check all of that. What kind of money can you charge for a serviced accommodation? Let's say it's a two bedroom flat. So two bedroom flat, um, the way we look at it is if you're going to have a two bedroom flat, two big bedrooms, that is in double bedrooms, yeah. there's certain things that you can do with them. Um, you're most likely going to have up to six people in that mm -hmm. property. Yep. Because you can either have two singles in each bedroom, mm -hmm. which makes the four people sleeping separately, or you can have the two doubles in each bedroom, mm -hmm. hoping that people are okay to sleep together on the beds. Yep. That's four people. Yep. And then in the dining area, you have a sofa bed. Yep. So, so in that, that's the six. That's where the six comes from. So um, you can just advertise the property as it will take up to six people. There's yep. two ways of advertising service accommodation. You can charge per person who books, mm -hmm. or you can just charge for the whole house. For the whole house, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's a lot simpler as the whole house. I know quite a lot of people do the per person thing, and mm -hmm. it can be beneficial because if you have more people, you can charge more. Yeah. But I, I like to just keep it simple and say yeah. for the whole house, this is what you get. If six people come, if one person comes, you just still, still pay that. That's it. Yeah. And, and have that to for the house. Simple, yeah. So, um, the question is, um, how much can you charge per night? Yeah. And that's dependent on the area. The I location, yeah. The, the, the West Midlands, two-bedroom house, dependent on how nicely you've done it, you're looking at potentially 100 to 120 pounds a night. Yeah. yeah. You can do it up really nice and put extra features like um, a PlayStation, Xbox, and all that stuff, and then mm -hmm. just increase the price a little bit more just to justify it, even if they don't use any of the equipment, yeah. if you can but you're looking at around 100 to 120 pounds a night in the West Midlands. Fantastic. Okay. So I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to dig deeper into this business model because I know personally two people, and I think you've met one of them, yeah. uh, with well over 140 uh, rent to rents. And they have a slightly different kind of model. They deal on the care yeah. side of things. Uh, you, you're slightly on the different side of things. But okay, all sounds good. What is the first step anyone can take now to set up their first one? Okay. So to set up your first one, assuming you've got it, or are you talking? No, you assuming you, you're just literally starting out, you know nothing about rent to rent. Yeah. How do you go about it? What is the first thing they need to go and do? 
I would say, um, just like you would for HMO to understand how the rooms are rates are actually going to understand that, do the same thing for service accommodation. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest platforms where service accommodations are advertised is booking.com, Airbnb. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You yeah. look at those, look for your area, just mm -hmm. pretend you're a guest who's looking for somewhere to stay in your area. Look at the state of the properties, look at the pricing. Mm -hmm. So you will find properties on there. For example, like you've mentioned, the two bedroom house, you'll find a two bedroom house. It will say five or six people. You will see the state of the property, how nice it looks or how bad it looks, mm -hmm. what price it goes for. And if you look to, if you look through enough of these, you will start getting an understanding straight away from your own uh, analysis, how much you can charge for a property. Mm -hmm. And then when you then start looking for these properties, you go for viewings. You can actually look around and think, okay, I could do one, two, three, four, and five and charge this amount per night. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you in the back of your head the highest figure you can offer for rent. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually start understanding that. So I would recommend if you're starting out scratch, you've never done service accommodation before, get to understand what the standards are. Have a look at what other people are doing and how... Mm -hmm how good or bad things mm -hmm. are for them. And then you, you can take it from there. Okay. Um, and if someone wants to, let's say, scale this thing, so let's say they want to go from one to now 10, how, do they, how can they go about doing that? Okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of do it yourself before you let someone else do it for you. Mm -hmm. So, Every time, even if, um, even if you have the opportunity or even if you have the money to hand over your first property for someone else to manage it for you, mm -hmm. I recommend you actually manage it yourself to start with. Mm -hmm. Get to understand what is required. What is it that they're actually doing? Mm -hmm. And for some people, I know it can be difficult because you probably have a full-time job or you've got so many different things. But mm -hmm. be as involved as possible, as much as possible in the management of that property and then when you then start going for property number two, number three, number four, I would say start leveraging things bit by bit. Mm -hmm. So take out maybe the admin, you take out a bit of that, you take out a bit of that and give it to someone else. Mm -hmm. Start utilizing uh, virtual assistants um, until you actually get to point number 10. Now, from, from, from one to 10, it's, it's sort of like a, a slow graph that will do that. Mm -hmm. So from yours, from zero to one is the, is the hardest part. Yes. That's the, the very difficult part. Mm -hmm. So when, once you go second, third, fourth, at that point, it will start shooting up. It's a bit yeah. of the compound effects that you talk it about. It is, yes. And um, it, it gets easier the more you get more in you terms get, of finding yeah. the next deal. Yeah. Uh, finding your first, second, third, that's where the difficulty is. So I would recommend to start off, manage the stuff yourself as much mm -hmm. as you can. And then as you go along, start leveraging because mm -hmm. the more units you take on, the more uh, responsibility it's going to be, the more work it's going to be. If you keep everything to yourself at the points that you get to three, four, five, you're going to stay there. Yeah. You're going to stay there or you're going to end up letting go because yeah. you just run out of hours. You'll, you'll start wishing there was 36 hours in the day. Yes. It's just too much work to do. Yeah. So as you go along, start letting go of some stuff. And, and letting go of things is not a failure. It's just standard leverage. Course, letting yeah. go of some stuff, let some things go, and then continue on the core stuff until yeah. you get to a point where you can't handle that to take something else out yeah. and then keep moving. That's the best way to scale from my point of view. Yeah, you know that I'm a big believer in, of, in delegation. And um, I, I, think, I, I think only I'll do a fraction of the work that actually gets done <laughs> behind the scene for me. True. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do believe that... Um, as, as someone who is an entrepreneur and, and runs a business, in fact, the definition of entrepreneur for me would be someone who knows how to delegate and, and, and be able to leverage that either as time, money, whatever that might be, effort of other people to be able to grow their uh, net worth as well as their uh, network, as well as their business uh -huh. in many cases. So yeah, I'm a big believer of that. Fantastic. <laughs> I think within this video, uh, and the story that you just kind of shared and some of the questions that I've asked, I think it has answered a lot of questions for people on how to go about finding those deals. Uh, 
obviously they that they don't learn the soft skills from these videos on how to negotiate that's that's another yeah. thing that you you know our audience maybe need to learn uh, at some point in their life and communication skills are not learned in a day they do take uh, quite some time in our lives Indeed. but but at the core the, as the hardcore skills you know understanding how you know being able to find a deal uh, making sure the numbers stack up you know you you put in all the you know you look at the the initial deposit you look at mm -hmm. all the numbers you look at the all the bills that you're going to pay all the cleaning you know looking after a delegation all, all of that once all of that is deducted and if you're still left with some profits uh, i think that is the time someone needs to really say is it worthwhile me investing my time into it yeah that's yeah. great I'm trying to think of the questions I can ask you. I'm running out as, of questions. As you were talking, would there you like actually, to, yeah, would you as like you were talking, yeah, I, actually, yes, I actually thought, I actually thought of something when you're talking yeah. about it. Yes. We we didn't we didn't hit on the uh, on the cleaning element. Yes, yes. Yeah. So when when it comes to service accommodation, the most expensive thing that you're gonna have is the cleaning. It's cleaning, yeah. It's absolutely gonna be the cleaning. So um, I've seen a few people actually make the mistake when they do the calculations and say, mm -hmm. um, because it's a hundred pound a night in 30 nights, I'm going to get three grand and the rent is just a thousand pounds. Boom. I've got 2000 there. But whoa, 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 slow down. Slow down yeah. <laughs> that is that. not the case. That is yeah. nothing near the case. Cause no. first of all, the online travel agent is going to take their commission. Yes. So and that booking.com is 15%. Yeah, it's gone up to 18 now with booking. Oh, is it 18 Thank now? You very much. Okay. And, um, uh, <laughs> so obviously the ideal situation is you get direct bookings. Yes. But, um, so you've got the online travel agents that will take the commissions. You've got something called the channel manager. Mm -hmm. And the channel manager is, is, is sort of like a platform that's going to link everything together. You yes. have all these online travel agents. We call them OTAs. It's online yes. travel agents, booking.com, uh -huh. Airbnb, Expedia, TripAdvisor. Yeah. There's yeah. loads of them popping yeah. out left, right, and center. Yeah. So ideally for you to get as much out of there, uh, as much marketing as possible, you want yeah. to, to, to get your property in all of them. All of them, As many yes. as you can. Yes. But you need the channel manager to synchronize all of them. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, each of the online travel agents can synchronize with each other. They can synchronize yes. with each other. Yes. But what's difficult is once you've got them synchronized without a channel manager, if for whatever reason you decide, you know what, the demand is increasing, I'm going to move my property from £100 a night to 120 you're going to need to go and do it in every single one of them. Yes. And yes. that can be painful. It can be so, painful, yes. So you want a channel manager to synchronize everything for you. Yes. So that if you decide to change anything, you change it within the channel one, manager. And then it just changes It just everywhere. changes yes. everything. Yeah. So that's what you want them for. So you've got the online travel agent that will take the commission. The channel manager will need to get paid. The cleaners will need to get paid. Now, the cleaners won't just charge you for the clean. They will charge you for the changing of linen as well. Yes. So you can either buy your own linen or you can hire it. Yes. So where the cleaning, the linen changing is, that element is going to wipe you out. Yes. So when you do your calculations, you need to consider that. Yes. So ideally, you want less frequency, uh, uh, less frequency and cleaning yes. and longer bookings. Yes. So when we do our calculations, we, we base it on an average of one clean every three nights. And if you have one, th one clean every three nights and at 50%, you break even. We used to say 35%, but then the COVID situation changed everything. Yes. You have a good deal if you break even at 50%. Of yes. And then that's where you're looking at a good deal. But you need to consider your cleaning and your linen, your commission for the online travel agents and paying the, ch the channel manager. Yes. So I've seen those four being omitted when people go for deals and then they go in for deals and say, I've got a deal, I've got this. And then when you add all of these, they're there's paying no profits there. The there's yeah, no there's, profits whatsoever. There's no profit today, yeah. yeah. SA doesn't work. No. Yeah, SA doesn't work if you don't consider everything. No. You no, need to course. ensure that every single element is considered in because a, a good SA is a difficult thing to find. I believe everything works. Mm -hmm. If the person who is leading it knows how to make it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I've looked at many business models and I, I come across people where they say, you know what? There's so much competition. We don't get enough bookings. We don't get enough business. And when I actually look at their business model, it's just poor. Yeah. Like it's just 
horrifically, strategically, badly positioned. And I say, you know what? If you just know how to strategically position yourself right, you could make the same business model work very, very well. It's like, you know, something that I, I maybe share with you all the time as well. Yeah. The gold days or the diamonds are where you are not in someone else's not garden. Else. Yeah. Yeah. And people feel, you know what? Service accommodation doesn't work. And then they go on to flips and they start doing flips and it doesn't work. And then they start, because it's not the way they're working. It's the kind of person they are. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this is not, not, not about one person. I'm not trying to point out on one person, yeah. but it's just human nature. I come across a lot of people who are not, they don't do due diligence well. They don't dig deep mm -hmm. enough. They don't look a layer down. Um, yeah. I mean, when I say due diligence, I'm talking about some real due diligence. Get in, get in. Exactly, yeah. getting under the skin. Mm -hmm. And most people don't do it because it takes effort. It takes time. It takes, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, that, that's just human nature, and right? Sometimes, sometimes it reveals something that they don't want to see. Exactly, so they, exactly. They, want they don't want to wanna face, it. yeah. <laughs> they don't want to face. They want to look at the deal and say, hey, it's going to work. Why yeah. don't you actually start to look, look deeper? Oh, you know what? I've already looked at a hundred deals. They, don't, they didn't work. It doesn't work. Well, guess what? If you looked at the, the, another one more, it will, if you yeah. just put in the right kind of effort, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and I think, I think this is something that, uh, again, it comes down to soft skills of knowing what kind of persistence is required to, to make anything work for that matter. Absolutely. You know? um, Absolutely. But yeah, I, I think uh, the kind of businesses and the kind of things that I've been through in my life, and I believe the ones that have really worked is when I've actually put my head down and said, you know what, I'm going to make it work. Those are the things that have actually worked. <laughs> um, and I think we learn with life that it's all about making things work when you actually want to make them work. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. When that's you difference. want to make it work, you will find a way. You'll find and a if way you're looking for an excuse, you'll find that too. You'll find an excuse. In <laughs> fact, you'll find the excuse much faster. Much easier. Yeah, much absolutely. Easier. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's the example that I told you where we're with all the 30k that we'd spend yes. at that point, we have enough, we had enough reason to excuses, let Excuses, yes, to yeah. give up. We had enough reason to excuses to say, do you know what? We've spent all this. Nothing has happened. We haven't yeah. made a penny out, yes. out of all of that. Yes. Um, I remember this date. I think I'm going to remember this date for the rest of my life. The 9th of November, 2019 is the first time I made an income out okay. of in property. Mm -hmm. bear, bear in mind this is starting back in November yes all the way to to November with all the work that we had done we hadn't actually made a penny whatsoever and it's hard to continue telling people oh I do property I do property it's and hard, yet you yes. haven't made nothing whatsoever no. No. and um but like you said, if you really want it to work, you'll yeah. find a way to make you'll it You'll find work. a way to make it work, yeah. Um, and, and even, I, I consider myself a very patient person, but yeah. even for a person like me, um, it got really difficult, yeah. but it's important to make sure you have the right people around you. Yes. Where you feel like, you know, I've had enough, I'm going to let go now, and someone just comes and helps you out to say, no, it's not, it's not done yet. Let's keep going. Let's You're keep almost going, there. Yeah. Yes. You need that. You need that. How did you deal with the COVID situation through, through your um, essay? So for, for the, the COVID situation, um, we've just touched on the fact that if you, if, if you really want something to work, if you want to make it work, you will make it work. You'll find a way. Um, obviously, as soon as lockdown hit in the first couple of weeks of March, everything stops. Yes. Yeah serviced accommodation is 100% dependent on movement. Yes. You need people to move around. Otherwise, yes. that's it. It's done. That's it. It's done. So yes. as soon as that happened, um, we started getting cancellations. People stopped booking to start with. And secondly, the government announced that if you can't travel anywhere because of the virus, you have the right to get a refund. And um, under normal circumstances, once you've booked, um, you can't get a refund within about 14 days of your booking. And, and even people that were going to be checking in tomorrow had the right to cancel because they can't travel anymore, which is understandable. But the problem you have is if I book a property right now for December and um, the booking.com or whoever it is has actually paid the host that booking money, if I get close to December and say, Do you know what, I'm not having it anymore, 
and I ask for a refund, that money is gone. The host, host has already spent that money. Yes. So all the money that we had had for the bookings for July, August, and June, we had yes. spent on getting the next unit. Yes. And after doing that, the cancellations come, the government says pay refunds, and we're thinking, what on earth? How are you are we going to pay me? back? Yeah. Now we have to pay back after actually spending all that money, yeah. which is where the extra money that I'm talking about had to be dug out again yes. to try to pay back all those people. So first couple of weeks of the, the lockdown were tough. I, I, I won't lie to you about that. They were absolutely tough. And we, we considered letting go of, of all our units. We ended up letting go of one. Uh, I told you about that one in Reading. Yes. We ended up letting go of that one. And the reason behind it wasn't just the fact that it was just financially painful to run. It was the fact that it was too far away. So you, you point out the fact that the gold is where you are. Yep. Um, we, we got excited and went for a deal that was two and a half hours drive away. I know that, yes. <laughs> and even at that point, I, I didn't mention, but I was, I was, I was conscious. I was aware. Well, yeah. I could I could tell from your face when I told you actually. Yeah. Um you didn't show the same excitement and I thought, okay, maybe he's not too keen about that one. But that property was just too far away for us to under normal circumstances you can you can manage an SA unit remotely. It's it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But because when that uh situation hits, the whole virus situation hit, yeah. um, in terms of marketing your property, we had to we had to sort of like shift our way of marketing marketing. You couldn't depend on online travel agents anymore. No, no one is booking through there. And um, there's a point where the government shut them down as well. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't book anything. You can go on the, on the travel agent. You can see the properties, but you can't book them. No. So we had to find different ways of doing it. And um, I remember we, we did a talk and uh, we were talking about what you can do within service accommodation. And you actually pushed me to have uh, my own speech at that point to say what can you do now in service accommodation and i remember when you asked me to do that i was thinking i don't know i'm struggling myself i don't know but that forced me to start thinking of things so um i started communicating with other sa operators i started doing some research uh, i started talking to other people and just to get ideas and i managed to gather quite a few really good ideas and i thought before we did the do the talk i'm going to try them see whether they work so we spoke to uh, the hospital, we spoke to the local council, um, we went around local hotels, taking phone numbers from contractors that were parked outside. We even spoke to the hotels themselves. The hotels were starting to be shut down at that point. Yeah. So we started talking to them to see if there's any people in the hotel that are looking to stay for longer that have to be kicked out. We can yeah. take some of them. Um, we, we started increasing our, our presence on social media. Um, that's one of the things you were pushing us to do as well, to start talking about what we're doing quite a lot on social media yes. and a combination of all of that and collaborating with other SA operators changed things in a way that I could not, could not actually anticipate. So we initially actually tried to survive. That was the basic thing. Yeah. Try by all means to survive and you're going to be fine on the other end. Yeah. But then, um, at the point that the COVID started in March, we had four units. Yep. And now we've got eight. So not only did we survive, we absolutely thrived yep. in the COVID situation. It got crazy because with all the marketing that we were doing, it's it changed from I'm chasing after guests to guests coming to us saying, we need this, we need this, we need this. I was at a point where I'm like, people, I don't have anywhere to put you. All my oh. units now are fully occupied, Fantastic. but people kept asking for accommodation. So the only thing that we could do is to take on some more. So um, I, I then sort of became like a, a guest agent yeah. where I started recommending, recommending other people. So mm -hmm. there's no guest who would come to me and say, I'm looking for this. And I would respond and say, I don't have anything. I would say, yeah. let me see what I can do for yeah. you. And then I'll just get off and speak to loads of agents yeah. and pass them on, just start passing them on. And then actually making a profit, a, a bit of a, a commission out of doing that and yeah. working with them. So yeah. in doing that, we, we made money in just passing on guests, but at the same time, because we have that such high demand, mm -hmm. we had sort of like to a certain level guaranteed income if we take yeah. on another unit. Yeah. So we started taking on other units and we took four units which are still running right now. 
that is a great example. I, we do believe that when it is hard times, and if you can just, not just su survive, but thrive, and this is something that I talk about a lot, yeah. you gotta wake yeah. up, and you gotta be in this thrive mode rather than a survival mode. Mm. Um, and regardless of the situation, I mean, I can wake up every morning and I believe as an entrepreneur, not just changing lives and the way things are done, but creating magic. And this is, this is this morning, I woke up this morning, and I thought, I gotta create some magic in my business. What is it that I can do to create that magic? Mm. And I spoke with my tech team and we came up with this idea. There's a feature that we're going to bring onto the PE and tech platform. Yeah. And that's going to kind of create a magic. And I literally every day I wake up and I think regardless of what's happening outside, which is beyond your control, you got to create magic in your business. You got to be able to create solutions to the major problems in your industry. And not just that, but be able to bring solutions to the operational side of like what you said, you know, COVID hit, there was not, no bookings coming in, all bookings were, you know, canceled. And mm. you found a way not just to fill your units, but to help other people fill their units, exactly. as well as you added additional four units, making it 100% growth in mm. just through the COVID period, which is an amazing example for our audience watching here, that you gotta learn to uh, sort of wake up every morning and be this in this thrive mode and a magical mode that you're going to go and create magic in your business, in your operations, in your marketing and everything that you touch. So yeah, that, that's a great example. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's something that I would also um, uh, give credit to the people that were around me, yourself mm -hmm. and, uh, included as well. It's, 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 it's not an easy thing to do, especially on your own. Um, but um, as we go along, you, you, you have someone there to say, look, this is what's going on. Yeah. What do you think I should do about this? What do you think I should do about that? But also always try to find something yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't just hand it over to someone and say, I'll follow whatever you say. No, no, of course you know, not. Yeah. Try something yourself. And then yeah. by the time you get to the point of saying, okay, now I'm going to refer to this person, you'll say, I've tried one, two, and three. Um, this is what I think can work. What do you think? At least it shows that you're trying something yourself. You're not just handing over and following uh, without using your own brain, essentially. No, 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 that's true. Okay. Where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Um, how can they learn from you more? Uh, and this is something we're going to talk about in the coming week. Uh, but yeah, help people with this, uh, where can they follow you? Where can they learn from you? Where they can connect with you and we'll go from there. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm more active on Facebook. Um, I've got a Facebook page and, and on a handle, um, at Muzi 86, which is M U double Z I E 86. You'll find me there or Muzi Nduna M U double Z I E N D U N A on LinkedIn. That's where you'll find me. So those are the two main ones that you'll find me. And then on any of those, it will redirect you to any other platform. So you'll find me on Instagram as well. You'll also find me on Twitter. Um, anyone who wants to speak about service accommodation, rent to rent, HMOs, I am passionate about that subject as much Fantastic. as I am actually learning as well. I love Fantastic. talking about it. Okay. I think you've got two Facebook groups. Uh, Please share with people where can they join and tell us the names of those groups. Please. I do indeed. I do indeed. So um, as Jack mentioned earlier on, I'm a franchisee for Property Entrepreneurs Network in Coventry. So if you're on Facebook, you type in P-E-N Coventry. That group is the one that I'm running at the minute. Uh, feel free to try to join. I will get yourself accepted. And I've also got, for any Zimbabweans that are watching this, yes. uh, also got the Zim... Uh, Zim Property Investors Group on Facebook and um, any Zimbabweans that are looking to start up, anyone who's already running, uh, who's looking to network with other Zimbabweans, um, just trying to create a community of, of Zimbabweans that are investing in property as well. So you'll find, you'll find us on Facebook at Zim Property Investors as well. Come and join us. Fantastic. Mm. So I hope um, the ones who are watching this, this video has helped you get started
Um, I think the magic is in taking action. If you go and take action, if you just go and say, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to really make it work. If you just go with that mindset, you'll do very, very well. Go ahead and start and learn on the way. Uh, so yeah, if you're watching this, just go and do it. Have an absolutely amazing day. Muzzy, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank, Thank you for being here much. with us. So well, um, audience, you will be able to find how to connect with Muzzy below this video. And yeah, have an absolutely amazing day. And I'll see you guys very, very soon. Take care. Thank you, Bye Jack. Now.